0: Vapor Network is the bomb The cutting edge of geekdom Comics,
1: advice, D&D Movies, video games, RPGs
0: Finding its easy just stay.
2: Tome Show is brought to you by Noble Knight, where print is available again, and listeners like you, thanks for using the Tome's Amazon and D&D Classics affiliate links.
0: Hi, this is Chris Sims. I used to work for Wizards of the Coast, but I've been re as a freelancer, and you're listening to The Tome Show. Welcome to The Tome, a D&D news, reviews, and interview show, and I'm your Tome host, Jeff Greiner.
2: And I'm Tracy Hurley, and tonight we're going to uncover, spoilers, a Thayan plot involving elementals, portals, gnolls, and devils, as we review Dreams of the Red Wizard's Scourge of the Sword Coast.
0: And joining us for this episode is our very own Tome Show senior editor, Sam Dillon.
1: Ooh, I I got a I got a promotion. I'm the right. senior yeah, editor yeah, now.
0: Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh and backing us up with some expertise to make up for, you know, some of our inadequacies in life, uh, Kyle Chenier. Stay a while and listen. <laughs> <laughs> All
2: right, that's the panel of experts. But before we jump in, we want to remind you about our sponsor, Noble Knight Games. Our pick for this episode is Legacy of the Crystal Shard, the previous encounter adventure, being sold for $5 under the normal price at Noble Knight. Uh, Kyle, you are a resident expert on this adventure. What's it about?
3: Uh, it's about a place up north in the Forgotten Realms, Icewind Dale. Uh, you go on adventures there, and it's pretty much the plot of that Disney movie Frozen, except with more fights. Really? I kid you not. That's mostly what it's about. Are there, uh, there, there magical princesses?
0: Are there uh, magical princesses? To a certain extent, yeah. And does the Crystal Shard make an appearance? Uh, that would be spoiling it. Oh.
2: Spoilers! Spoilers! Dun dun everywhere. dun.
0: So it's Frozen, but in Icewind Dale and more fights. Oh, yeah. Musical numbers and everything.
2: Wow. Maybe you just
3: those You
0: have to be joking.
2: <laughs> so if that sounds interesting to you, uh, we'll have links in the show notes at thetomeshow.com. And be sure to let the good folks at Noble Knight know that you heard about them through us. Hello. Hello, citizens. Oh, thank goodness, adventurers. We need a Noble Knight. Perhaps you
3: can slay the beast of retail and reap the promises of riches. Riches? Yes! Great prices, out-of-print games,
0: the latest releases, and a magic box that converts all of your old loot into cash or new loot. But why? Fantastic! I'll do it! Yes, well... You see, the beast, he kidnapped the mayor and can only be slain by the most noble of knights. Yes, yes, yes. I said, I'll do it. Well, yes, the thing is, I was talking to her. What?
2: Fear not, kind citizen. The noble knight will save the day, rescue the lord in distress, and liberate all that loot Anyway, only possible at noble knight. If you'd like to get your hands on noble knight's loot, head over to thetomeshow.com and click on the link in the show notes for this episode.
0: And don't forget to tell them that the Tome Show sent you. ha. I got to do something to help out. And we're back, and it's time to talk about Dreams of the Red Wizard, Scourge of the Sword Coast, a DD and d module, part 74 of The Sundering, D&D next beta test, an adventure with a novel-length name. Huh. Written by Tito Leite, Matt Cernat, and Chris Sims. Two of those people, um, Arthurs, I, I know of well. Uh, Matt Sarnett and Chris Sims Tito Lieti I've never heard of before Does anybody know who Tito is? No
1: Tito Lieti is actually pretty prolific uh, Dragons Unleashed The Inner Sea World Guide Pathfinder number 12 Crown of Fangs Apparently they've done a lot of work for, uh, for Pathfinder oh. Okay And uh, they have lots of uh, dungeon uh, magazine articles That they have credit for So this is not an unknown person
0: Okay, very cool like, well, I was wondering because I, I can't imagine they would have brought in an unknown person to do mm-hmm. one of their D and D next things using an unfinished yep. th- uh, product, yeah. you know, a rule set.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, they they have uh, some some they get credit for the uh, Pathfinder role playing game master guide and the uh, the Inner Sea world guide. Both of those products are excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a huge Pathfinder fan, but uh, I can I can discern quality from not quality in any RPG. So,
0: right on. Well, that's who wrote it. Let's talk about, you know, what it is. The adventure is primarily
3: about our players arriving around the Sword Coast, uh, around the uh, small city of Daggerford, and there are some goings on there. Some monsters, some evil folks, and uh, maybe, spoilers, some red wizards.
0: Well, the Red Wizards is in the title. <laughs> so.
2: No, it's dreams of the Red Wizards. Yeah. There might not really be any. If
0: there weren't actual, you know, you know what? There are significantly more Red Wizards than there are dreams. Spoiler alert! <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's a. Uh, I, I mean, compared to the last two seasons of Encounters and everything, it's a lot more sort of evergreen. A lot sort of uh, sort of back to roots to sort of old school D anD D, where uh, you are you're fighting goblins, you're fighting gnolls, you're fighting, you know, like. You know, like Red Wizards and stuff. Like it's very – it's a lot
0: simpler to say the least. Mm -hmm. I think that's fair. I I also – so the adventure confuses me a little bit as if – the way it's formatted.
1: Yeah. Right? That was was one of my big dislikes. Yeah, I Mm -hmm. don't think
0: it's very clear how you're actually supposed to run this adventure. Um, well,
2: isn't it kind of more sen- like a sandbox well, in a way? All
0: right. That's, so that's one of my thoughts, right? It, it's supposed to be very sandboxy. But then there's a sidebar that specifically says they should do this and then this and then this. And if you're doing right. it in, in encounters, you, you really kind of should do it in order. Otherwise, you're going to have some people that show up and say, oh, well, I already went to that place, you know, mm-hmm. if you're doing it out of order, um, you know, because it could be a different group every week with encounters, right?
2: Well I feel like mm. it's a sandbox with a very heavy clue stick.
0: Well, and that's the other thing, right, yeah. is that I've, I feel like you could get to – you could go to – so you, you show up and it sort of lays, lays like five or six adventure seeds. Right. But doesn't necessarily point you at one or the other. And well, then you could, Yeah, go ahead.
2: Well, I was just going to say they do have the interruptions from the NPCs to really point you in a particular direction with like a big neon arrow.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but even then I felt like they, they usually laid in more than one. So, you, you know, you may get a big neon arrow, but you're getting like three neon arrows at once. And if you go to any one of them, you can figure out where the next stage is, but the next stage isn't in this adventure.
2: Mm-hmm. Right? They keep
0: mentioning, what is it, Bloodgate Keep or whatever? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, it, you know, so you could, go, you could go straight from chapter one to chapter two to the next adventure, but the next adventure isn't in this and not, you know, and it's not out yet.
1: Right. I think the issue is that they're they're trying to uh, find a good balance between creating a, a sort of little set of of adventure events and locations mm-hmm. that that someone could easily run at home, and then also at the same time having that same set of adventures and events and and everything work in an encounters organized play type. Th- type situation and i think that's where the kind of it's almost like a schizophrenic kind of right it's got two it's got two foci you know and so it can't do either one extremely well like i feel like that's why we're we're sort of you know brushing up against this and and kind of it doesn't wear well like you know what i mean it's like a right it's like a pokey sweater that makes you itch but it's not you know
0: but but it's also like i feel like they could have addressed some of that with a little more attention to formatting an organization and maybe Mm -hmm. a sidebar to explain how to run the adventure. I mean, I think that's really all it would take. Just a little timeline that said, you know. Yeah. yeah. These are the the events in order.
2: I was going to suggest the timeline idea because I knew Mm -hmm. it said, you know, after they've been there for X number of days, this should happen. And that was like one of the neon signs uh, and stuff like that. But there's no easy way of knowing, uh, unless you take notes yourself, uh, what the big timeline is.
3: Right, right, What I was about to say is I think Sam basically hit it on the head. Like that is the, uh, especially with something like public play, that is the biggest sort of problem with this adventure is that it is kind of poorly structured and there isn't say like a, a very clear sort of like, here's what you do next. Here's how it breaks up between the next session. Here's how much you can feasibly allow per like the hour to a public play that you're going to get. Mm-hmm. Um, so on one hand, uh, Actually, I spoke with uh, you know, a friend of the show, Derek Myers, head of DungeonsMaster.com, uh, who's also currently running it at the time. Um, he says that, and I tend to agree with him on this point, is that uh, this game would probably work much better as, as part of like a home campaign mm-hmm. as opposed to being used mm-hmm. for public play, especially with the way it's structured. I yeah. feel like um, when D&D Encounters first started and it was used with 4th edition, that was the one biggest advantage of them was that they work really, really well with public play because they are like almost to a fault, very like sort of heavily structured. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: and you can almost set a your watch to it. Because oh, yeah. mm-hmm. combats yeah. take about an hour.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Like there is a little bit of RP, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and then you get a fight and then you go home.
0: Right. Whereas mm-hmm. this one, I mean, I could see very each location has in some cases a full fledged dungeon in it. You could take a session or two just to get through one location. Exactly. Yeah and and you could skip i mean you could legitimately skip whole locations because i feel like the hooks for the the locations and the the events are honestly a little bit weak you just kind of show up and people are like oh there's these problems mm-hmm. okay well deal with <laughs> it you know <laughs> nobody's asking us for help you know <laughs> and there's
2: there's at least one scene where it's supposed to be like these two npcs fighting back and forth with each other <laughs> over what's going mm-hmm. on
0: right i was like okay no, absolutely, and and I feel like you know I could very easily see a group go walk into the situation, be confronted with five or six different adventure seeds in, in the first you know thirty minutes, which I think the the adventure is designed to, to do, right? You mm-hmm. you show up and and some stuff yep. happens and you you get five or six different adventure uh, right. seeds.
1: In, you pick the one that you think is the most interesting to follow up on.
0: It, well, right. Except I could see a lot of right. players groups, or players or groups showing up in a situation like that and saying. Um, I have no idea what I'm sp- supposed to do, and they just don't choose anything. Right.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. I agree. I'm just saying, like that's the kind of idea. That's why I think it would. It's it sort of has to. It's trying to straddle that line of play it at home, have this sort of sandboxy area, and it's even you know even better if you've already done you know a piece of the Dragon Spear Castle module, you know that it mentions in the whole beginning, because then you have some sort of the players have a background in this area, and this is this sort of just adds to their knowledge of the area, and you you investigate things and all that, and and that part of it's a good thing. Except I don't think it works really with encounters, because if you mm-hmm. if your group shows up the first week for encounters and you pick part A to go look look at, right, and then you show up for part for for the next week and that group wants to pick part A too because they picked part B the first week, then right. what are you going to do? Right, you already did that one. Like it doesn't exactly. the setup doesn't really work very well. I think
0: I think this adventure. Has some interesting things going on with it. And I really like the, the way it fleshes out Daggerford in a way that, that mm-hmm. Dragonspear Castle did not. Yeah. Um, and it gives us a lot of the history and, and some dynamics with people and all that kind of stuff. And, and so a it, map. It, and, and yeah, so it does all this stuff. And, and, and I feel like, you know, as we keep getting these adventures, we're getting more and more of this town. And, and, and I'm, I'm more and more interested in using it as a location. But I think mm-hmm. if I'm going to run this adventure, and I might yet, um, depending on how the second one looks. Um, I feel like if I'm going to run it, though, I have to use some of my more advanced DMing skills. Like you certainly don't want to walk into this as, as a, a relatively new DM yeah. and try to run it because there's a lot that I would want to modify or emphasize this and de-emphasize that or throw in some – you know I, like I, the hooks I think need to be way strengthened up a lot. Mm, you know, well, that's, that's well, sort of been a theme with the
3: uh, like the recent batches of D&D encounters, like with Murder in Baldur's Gate and yes. Legacy of the Crystal Shard. Um, like, they've been a lot more open ended. They've been a lot more. Uh, uh, they've been easier to use with sort of like home games and things. But they've been because of their lack of structure, and especially because of the I don't want to say lack of formatting, but just unintuitive formatting of the books. Mm-hmm. Um, they're really sort of difficult to use with public play. Um, so, again, anyone playing on Wednesdays on D&D Encounters and everything, like, from what I've heard, mm, people aren't really enjoying it all that much, which kind of is a shame, but I think it's maybe not so much with the stuff that the DMs have to deal with, but also just the subject matter. Uh, I liked Murder in Baldur's Gate a fair amount. It's a cool city adventure. Uh, Legacy of the Crystal Shard is fun to play, if not run. Um, This, like, I have a copy of it, I don't think I'm ever going to get around to using it because it's a little too generic. Like even especially compared with what's come before, like the stuff in murder and Baldur's Gate and legacy of the crystal shard. There's some exciting stuff that happens in there mm. and it doesn't really compare. This seems kind of bland.
0: Well, and I, and I think that that's why I say I, I could really see myself using this depending on what happens with part two. Cause I feel like there, this is sort of building to, the Red Wizards doing whatever they started setting up back in Dragonsphere mm-hmm. Castle when they were collecting what are these elemental were they keys, yep, yeah, so they collected these elemental keys in Dragonsphere Castle and then we're told that this one is a follow up and we're going to find out what they were doing with those keys, but we still have no idea what they're doing with those keys, and I suspect we're going to find out maybe in the next one, so it could turn into something really interesting and engaging, but it's not there with this This is the Empire Strikes Back, yeah. It's it's the, it's the middle, the middle adventure
1: wall. that has it's kind of seamless and floundering. And they re- they recast all the all the the characters. No, I think it's so. The, I guess what I'm saying is, you know, the quality of this one and and my willingness or or desire to run it is going to be heavily dependent upon the next one. Yeah. I think so. And so, if if something were to happen, not that I, not that this will happen, but if something were to happen and they didn't end up publishing the third piece of this arc, I would never ever touch this adventure. It just yep. wouldn't be. It would, you know. And so, it's that middle. It's that middle piece of a trilogy that really isn't complete, no matter which way you look at it. And the next one could completely ruin this one, or it could, or it could right, justify. Right. It. The next one could be episode one, or it could actually be episode six. <laughs>
2: the other thing I saw that was a recurring theme and it was the whole um, people weren't acting like themselves anymore and like for a reason but I don't know if I ever really cared and it seemed like um, you would really have to look at it like there's only small bits of information that that was happening.
0: Yeah, Pe- people that you don't have any history with or any experience with previously are acting weird. Right. Yeah, <laughs>
2: and and it's yeah. like, well, if you read if you read something, you'll kind of get a clue. Where I think if they had cut back a little bit on the cast of characters, they could have made it a little more obvious and really yeah. worked on it more and, and made a, a a story that's likely to be more compelling at the table.
0: Yeah, and that kind of goes, goes into the yeah. uh, the, um, the the formatting, like the organization, was a little weird for me as well. Like, I it starts like that first section where it's like they just sort of throw you into the adventure without any explanation as to what it is and how it works. Uh, and it's like, oh, well, here's kind of a hook, and then this event happens, and then here's some more things that develop, and then after that, here's some other things that happen, and you know, a day or two later or whatever. It's like, well, okay, but what are they supposed to be doing in between? And, and it's just sort of, you know, this happens with this event, and then this other thing happens with the same event, and then this other thing happens with the same event, and these other things are happening at the same time. And then it suddenly goes into, oh, yeah, and ignore the adventure for a second we're going to spend a chapter telling you about the setting in the middle of it
1: mm-hmm, right and
0: then we're going to go back to the adventure locations and t- tell you about you know the the, lo- the places where you're going to explore and the dungeons and all that so it, do- it does this weird little thing in the middle that i think at the table would make it difficult for me to find the pieces that i need when i need them
2: right
1: mm-hmm. i feel like this is um in this is kind of a combination comment a bit of, of what Kyle said right in the very beginning and, and sort of everything we've been talking about so far, that there are so many NPCs and, you know, it has all these great locations and all that mm-hmm. stuff. But I think so if you think back to the to the way like um, in the early 80s when people were first playing and learning about Greyhawk, like there was there wasn't for a, a few years, there wasn't like a a real big explicit book about Greyhawk. There was a little brown book, but it really it wasn't about the setting with locations and towns and all kinds of stuff mm. like like a book like this is, and so we, to learn about it, you had to play through the adventures. And I feel like they're they're kind of going for that feel. So I I feel like I agree with Kyle. Like it has this kind of old school type mentality around it. Where oh part of part of just having this adventure and running this adventure is that you get to learn about all these NPCs, and you, you're not going to learn about them all in one session, but. You know, you, like, you, you, you might learn about Curran Corvell and, you know, in one session and, and then later on, you know, hopefully two or three sessions later, you're going to end up back in town and you're going to realize, you know, if he's different or if he's the same or whatever. And, but you learn, you know, in between, you learned about all these different areas and you went and you met people and, and it makes the place meaningful to you. Um, which is great in a home campaign, but once again, not so great in an organized play unless you have a really great organized play group that is consistent and has the same GM and same players every time. And you know that might as well be a home group. So yeah, and I wonder,
0: know. I wonder if their data isn't showing them that they're since they've started offering the the products for sale, if they're not getting more um, organized play participants in in home settings than they are in mm-hmm. in you know public settings. Yeah. Right. yeah.
2: Well, and then also uh, calling out to old school thing. I know some people for a while were talking about how it used to be nice that you could read your D D books for fun, where a lot mm-hmm. of them like third and fourth edition books that weren't necessarily that way. And I I kinda wonder too if they're going for that in, in mm-hmm. some of these products.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like we're really down on it. I think there's a lot in the yeah. adventure I actually really liked. Um, yeah,
1: and, and well, we started I, out with the negative. We and did. We, just we absolutely lived. did. Uh,
0: <laughs> I feel like the the different. I, I like the idea that there's like five or six different locations in it. Each one, you you pick up a little more of a clue as to what's going on and what the larger plot is. And um, the only issue I have with that is that every single one of them seems to have enough of a clue to point to the end, and we don't have the end. Like you know, mm-hmm. each one of them could give you enough to figure out that you need to go, go to Bloodgate Keep, and here's the location.
1: And the way it's structured, it makes you want to rush over there. It's not like yeah. you say, "Well, we need, we need, we know we need to go there, but let's go back to Daggerford first. Like, right. what?
0: Really? So, so I no, think, let's I, go. I think, but I think as a DM, I, I could modify that. I could, I could adjust some sort of how I sure. parse out the information and what I parse out and all that kind of stuff, right? So, I could adjust for that. And and the, the idea that um, there's all these seemingly disparate problems going on, and then they all turn out to be part of the same plot, I think there's there's some interest in in that.
1: Mm-hmm. You know? Well, that's that's where that lends to that effect of you're learning about the way the world works and the way the setting is as you investigate these seemingly little problems, and then the overarching story comes out. That that's sort of that thing I was talking about where yeah. that's where you get inv- the more invested you get in the setting, the more you learn to make connections between this, these events that at first seemed not connected. Yeah, but, you know.
3: See, I, when I had originally said that it was more old school, I think it was more just in the case of how sort of uh, – is tropey? Can I use – because I was talking about tropes mm, and everything.
1: But sure. Can you describe yeah. – Yeah, you were talking you about my like – as an adjective? at first level and goblins at yeah, first level. Yeah, they're going back to some
0: of the classic monsters. Like, from what I, each one is probably, a dungeon crawl and –
3: yeah, from what I gather and everything, like the uh, Ghost of Dragonsphere Castle and this adventure and then the one to follow, uh, again, I don't know how this sort of shakes out internally. But from what I've heard, it's sort of meant to feel reminiscent of Keep on the Borderlands. Uh, I mm. don't know how accurate that is. I actually haven't played Keep on the Borderlands, so I don't know. But um, again, it's well, supposed it to be what you mean that,
1: by so. reminiscent. It
3: uh, just sort of evokes sort of similar themes and sort of a, a similar setup.
1: Mm, maybe. Well, I
2: guess maybe in that you had like the different groups and they all kind of live in some sort of close area. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: with the different like orcs and goblins and stuff. I don't know. The experts yeah.
1: don't seem to be buying it. Well, I mean, I it's that's why I say it depends on what you mean by reminiscent. If you mean by reminiscent, you mean that you explore a little portion of land and you come up against you know some sort of dungeons that have the sort of very basic low-level creatures like yeah. goblins You're and killing orcs, orcs and
0: gnolls you know
1: yeah and gnolls yeah. and and you know then that but you know i could name any number of modules that feature those creatures and i'm yeah. not sure that it's reminiscent in other ways right.
3: well i mean that's sort of why again like i i know we've been sort of very uh critical and kind of hard on the product mm-hmm. so far but um i'm going to continue to be that way because i don't really like it so sure absolutely yeah um, I will say a couple of things I did like, or at least I thought were,
0: you know, okay, uh, a lot of the art, especially some of the map
3: art. That's nice to have.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and I found, I found um, as much as I talked about the the location of the organization of it being off, I find that if I take, like, I can take chunks of Dragonspear Castle and chunks of this and get a really good setting book for Daggerford, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. There's a lot yeah. of
0: cool and interesting things going on in Daggerford now, even making up my own plots, you know?
2: Mm-hmm. I like the room. The there's the puzzle room with the tiles. That was pretty good.
1: Yeah, I have a complaint about that though. Okay. That oh, I'm there's, sure there's no player picture.
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: I thought the That's same That's true. Thing.
1: Yeah. There's, yeah, there's no player picture.
0: Was that Kyle? Did you tell me something about the the map artist or whatever making a a player version? Of oh
3: shoot! Yeah. Um. Oh, geez. Okay, this is terrible because I can't remember his name off the top of my head. <laughs> Like the major map artist, the artist is actually he's released um, a bunch of the different sort of encounter maps, like uh, uh, a bunch of the different sort of dungeon areas and everything as a sort of tactical uh, grid maps that you can use. Uh, He offered them up free or basically just like the images up on uh, Google Plus, I think in the uh, map making on Google Plus group.
0: And I have, I have can, the list of artists here. If I list them off, can we tell if one of them is the is the well, map maker? Well, Mike Mike Schley is the cartographer. I think that's him, Mike Schley? Yeah, okay. yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and yeah, yeah, he's offered up you, all those images. If online. you Google him uh, and go to his website, MikeSchley.com, you, there's a whole bunch of maps that are, you know, usable for this particular. Yeah, so
2: mm-hmm.
3: awesome. Yeah, but for people using uh, that are still using like fourth edition, or they're using different systems where tabletop combat is something you definitely want to have. Uh, those maps are invaluable.
0: Even without using one of those systems, I think those maps have, are something that I've been wanting since you know second edition. Like, give me a version of, give me just a, a way to pr- find and print off the maps. You know that I can that I can hand to my players so they can see it without mm-hmm. without having all the giveaway. Oh, here's where the secret doors are, and here's where the encounters happen.
1: Right.
2: So. I like yes. that there were a lot more female characters. That was also cool. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was good too.
3: I mean, I, I, I see. I feel like they're all a little bit bland, but I mean, that's again, like coming from the pat, the previous two uh, seasons of encounters, uh, this does come off as very sort of generic, which is kind of a shame. But I guess anything is going to seem kind of generic when you know you fight uh, like the champion of ball. And, yeah, you're like, not the fighting you're not fighting, like, giant ice dragons and an ice witch who's, you know, freezing you and making snowmen to attack you. Like, it, everything seems kind of generic. And, and singing. Uh, Don't forget the
1: songs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I'll be honest. I mean, Ghost of Dragonspear Castle was was generic in the sense that it was meant to be an homage to to a lot of the sort of basic tropes. Um, but they – for the most part, the majority of it was pulled off very well. Now, it had some major problems and you may have recently listened to the Dragon Castle review that the Tome Show did. But um, there are some major problems with it. But some of the stuff that they did as an homage was done very, very well and it didn't come off as old, trite or boring. Mm. Um Whereas what you're saying is this seems a lot of it – old trite and boring like oh and works again oh you know kobolds again oh goblins
3: oh, okay. again it's also well, worth noting oh no tracy you go first.
2: Oh I was just gonna say and the all the people that use Charm Person are pretty much female and the
0: succubus. Yeah. But
2: yeah it would have been cool <laughs> to have a guy do that. That well, would have been cool. Sort of, sort <laughs> yeah, that though, is true.
0: Because there's a lot yeah. of that going on with the, the disembodied pit fiend, what is it, Bozka, which I read as a male
2: Yeah but it's you, you have to
0: wait a while to get to that part. Well, and well, kind of yes or no, right? He, and that was one of the things that confused me. Because Bosca seems to be, the, the, whoever he's possessing, seems to be the, big, the boss of each location. But how is he in all those locations simultaneously? Because we, we, you showed up and you had all those seeds at the same time. So all those things are happening simultaneously, which means this one guy is possessing five different people at the exact same time. So that seemed weird to me. Can anybody get, wrap their
1: heads around that? Am I missing something? I don't – I I didn't think of it as everything happening at exactly the same time.
0: Well, I mean we, we, but you're, I guess you're given all a those point, hooks, yeah. right? You're given all those hooks in, like, in yeah. part one of, of chapter one, right? So that means all the trouble is happening.
1: Well, I, I, but I think of that sort of possession as kind of like a, a – um, almost like a like a dominate kind of thing where Boska can be actively controlling – Anyone One person a hundred percent and still have you know, still have his his eye, so to speak, on the other people that he is in mm-hmm. control of, but he's not he doesn't have a hundred percent control of them. Right. He's only got right. like ten percent control. Of a, of at sure that, that point that,
0: they're more charmed than they are possessed. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. And then it's only when, you know, he needs to a hundred percent be controlling them that he actually is 100% controlling them. Yeah. So it's not, it, it feels it's not like a, li- a constant it, all the it time. Fe-
0: that feels a little, I mean, that feels like it could work, but it also feels a little like justifying a, a, oh, yeah. a, a loophole or I'm, a plot
1: hole. I'm totally waving my hands. If you could see yeah. me, my hands are waving really, really. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <We can laughs> it's it's boom very magic. Yeah. Don't look behind the curtain. <laughs> this guy's everywhere, although you never interact with him. So <laughs> other than, hey, I beat that guy. And then this weird shadowy shape you know, emerged out of them over and over again. Um, you know, there's no actually indication as to what's going on or who this, who this creature is or, or how that's connected to anything. So, yeah. I, I, so again, though, the, I assume we'll get that in, in the next part.
1: What's the also- thing with the bloke? What the, I, for some reason, I just can't, I I can't follow the line of logic about the, the Delenbeer bloke. Like what, Somebody explain that to me cuz I'm I don't
0: Okay so the bloke was part of a large well it is a magic item that has to be recharged by by placing it in the statue. It's like a brick with a face on it, right? Right. And so you place it in the statue and it completes the statue. And now the statue has a face and it recharges it and then allows you to do some magical things.
1: Right. Uh, and, okay. but
0: you only get to do the magical things once and then you have to recharge it again. Um, and it
1: gets stolen.
0: And it, so yeah, so it's been, you know, it was recovered by some adventurers or whatever and then the the duke has been holding it as sort of an artifact. He has no idea what it is. Um, um but he you know it's pretty cool to him and it gets stolen and so he shuts down the town nobody gets in or out until he searches everybody and anybody and everybody and figures out who stole the bloke um and eventually it's discovered you know or it's decided upon that that nobody in town really has it but i want you to recover it just in case we're going to keep the town locked down until somebody finds it and, and brings it back
1: mm-hmm.
0: that's that's more or less how it goes and then you eventually- But you
1: never find it, right? No, you do. You can. Yeah. Where where is it? How about maybe that's the piece I missed, because that's why it's not connecting in my head like Yeah, it, wasn't
0: actually, anyway. it was it actually it wasn't actually in Firehammer Hold, was it? That's where you take it to get it recharged.
2: Right. That, I for, I forget where it actually is. I just remember reading the part where it says.
3: It's terrible. To, I can't remember off the top of my head where exactly you grab it.
1: Yeah. Like in, I just uh, in, lost the thread of the story at one point without well, see, the bloke and
3: see here's the thing. In the interest of full disclosure here, um like I read over most of the adventure. Um I have not run it, and usually that's the thing. Like I tend not to review things unless I actually get a chance to play them. Because in a lot of other cases and I, I imagine with this game as well, like a lot of the times with these kind of adventures and everything, you really need to either run them or play in them to really get a sense of, like, how well this works and is it going to be fun, either for you as a dungeon master or for your mm-hmm. players. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And I didn't get a chance to do that. And in all honesty, I don't think I'm going to. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I'm not going to end up making a full review of this product and everything on my site because it's just eh, I'm not all that interested in mm-hmm. that. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, yeah, I have, I have no idea. I couldn't even pronounce it except for the last word bloke on the first try, so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's around in one of the places, and it was one of the agents of the Thayans or something that took it, and okay. um, you just sort of stumble upon it. Um, but yeah, yeah I get, your, get what you're saying, though, because I felt like when I read all the hooks, like, that seemed like, uh, you know, storyline number A, if that mm-hmm. makes sense, right? right because right, Because yeah. that's the one, like... People are suffering because the Duke won't let refugees in. And he won't let other people out and things are really tough until this thing shows up. So this is probably what you should do first, even right. though in the little sidebar where they say the things you should do first, this was like
1: number three on the list. Right. And that's maybe, that's maybe where the, the organization of it starts to mm-hmm. fall apart for me, that it doesn't really – I don't get a good sense of – Or I I get a sense of what what I as a player and a a DM would think was the most important things based on what the players are exposed to, and it doesn't match with what the module suggests, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is maybe, and also, uh, if did you notice on page fifty four? So I was just looking at so the the face of Gorm, which is the thing where you put the bloke right to yep. make it recharge. To recharge it. it. looks like an iPod. It's got like the circle thing down at the bottom. Oh. <laughs> <and it's> like, <laughs> Eighty gigs. There you go.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, that was in uh, that was in Dragonspear, right? That was the kid with the iPod, the half the half. Uh, yeah, that orc. That was yeah the half half dwarf half orc thing. Yeah. Anyway, which brings yeah. up another question to mine.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, How do they relate?
0: (laughs) No, Well, no, although that's relevant, too. I mean, it it relates in that they're happening at least in the same setting, and I think the next part of this series, of this adventure, is going to have have the ultimate consequences of Dragonspear Castle in it. This one, I think the relation is, you know, they happen in the same place. Um, But... I feel like with these two adventures, Dragonsphere Castle and, and this book, um, Scourge of the Sword Coast, I feel like they are pushing the edginess limit a little bit. Right? Uh, we talked about in our review of Dragonsphere Castle the, the possible controversy of, of bringing back the rape orcs. Mm-hmm. And then in this one, chapter one, we de- you deal pretty heavily with a suicide. Right? A guy yeah. hangs himself in prison. Mm -hmm. like
1: I feel like that that needs and then you find out that the that the Sherlin the 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 captain of the guard or whatever Mm -hmm. says oh he seemed like he was kind of soft like I wouldn't have think I wouldn't think that he would do something like this Mm -hmm. he seemed kind of more like a young person who wasn't hardened you know his his soul wasn't hardened and then oh yeah but he's going to commit suicide Mm
0: -hmm. yeah and so I I feel like on, on one hand like third edition, they released the the Book of Vile Darkness, and they dealt with these kinds of topics, but it had an explicit mm-hmm. tag on it, you know? Right. yeah.
2: Well, none, and of, also,
0: none of this gives you a heads... And if you show up for, for a public encounter season, and you don't know what you're getting into, and you deal have to deal, with uh, session one, with su- yeah. issues of suicide, and you don't know that's coming up, that could be a serious issue for some people.
2: Well, yeah, and it's not true. just suicide, it's also the scene is kind of set up for uh, PTSD. hmm yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and I know these are a lot more spoilers, but I was, I was kind of, yeah, that was, so for me, um, when I read it, I was like, oh, wow, this is like, this feels like PTSD, uh, PTSD. And then you find out that. It's because he was struggling against being compelled, to basically. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And, and it wasn't actually suicide, right? He was, he was compelled by, by a, a possession or a charm or whatever. But it almost undercuts
2: it to me. Like, if you're going to go, I, I don't know.
0: Well, re- undercut or not, I feel like that's something. Like, Yeah. Th- th- because of that one scene, you almost got to give the whole product an explicit tag. Uh, or or at least I don't know really know warn that. people about that that's coming up. I
3: don't, yeah, I don't know yeah, about
1: it
0: explicit, know but... See, here's the thing.
3: I mean, one, if you put an explicit tag on anything, that is the death knell of your product. Unless... What? So why so put it in there? That wasn't necessary. Uh, because I think it comes down to, like, okay, um, have they come out with, like, actual stats of, like, who the average age is of people in public well, play?
2: But Well, but the problem is that I think the product still gets uh, said to be for younger kids still, like teenagers and stuff.
3: Actually, I don't have the book on my person right now and everything. What's the age on the front? Like, what does it say, like, number plus whatever?
1: Uh...
2: I mean, yeah. this, this is the thing. It's been an, across the board, pushing into this territory without, as far as I know, uh revising... It says
3: age 12 plus on the cover. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's sort of like, <laughs> how far can you push that PG-13 rating? Mm. Um... Yeah. And no, th- I, I don't think that I – I honestly – I think with the content in there and everything, I don't think it really pushes it that far. I think it's still like on the edge and everything like, oh, we're getting into some serious subject matter here. But I don't think that it is – I certainly don't think it's worth an explicit
1: tag. Um, well,
0: no, because the rest of it is all fairly – I mean for a, an adventure where you go around and kill things, right? The rest of it is all fairly mundane.
1: Well, well, it's just that that's the first thing, though. That's the
0: very first thing, and and that, I mean, that's going to be a real trigger for some people, I suppose.
1: <laughs> you know. I mean, I guess you know the thing is like, okay, if you compare this to what's on a general TV show, it probably doesn't seem that like hardcore. You know, I mean, if I'm going to watch like Law and Order, SVU, I know that there's going to be like topics about rape and suicide and all that right. kind of stuff because that's what that show is about. But I don't necessarily know that if I'm coming to play D and D encounters, a, a, a public
0: play encounters, yeah. yeah.
1: And and it, because it's the fir- like if it was tucked in like you know the third part of the third sort of series of events or something then maybe by that time things have sort of built up but I mean I don't know I well, don't know that it requires an explicit tag
2: but it's kind of crucial because you have to almost do it because run that part of it because it's a clue
1: mm-hmm. right right, mm-hmm. right.
0: It's although, a, it's, although mo- it's mostly a clue that there's something weird going on right people are acting way out of out of place yeah I think you could have done that without it having the this mm-hmm. controversial sort of thing in it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the the fact that it's him and that the players were or the PCs were there when he sort of went off and, and the riot started and all that, that's what pulls them in. So it needs to be someone that they have had a direct experience with to make it really, you know, cause it could, they could hear rumors about, Oh, so-and-so is acting strange, you know, but that's not meaningful. Well,
0: so maybe so, that, so maybe that guy attention. murders some guards in the middle of the night, right? That, <laughs> yeah. I think murder, I oddly enough in this situation, you know, mm-hmm. it's a D and D game, right? I think murder right. is less controversial than, than suicide. hmm Because it's D&D, and you know you're going to get into a situation where people are killing people, right? That's that's D&D.
2: And that scene kind of assumes that the players are going to try to calm down the situation. Because Mm. the thing is, if the situation doesn't calm down, then it's not that strange that he would shoot.
1: Mm -hmm. Sure, right.
2: Also, hey,
3: See, that's the thing. Like I know that they like I know that again, like most B E products are sort of stamped with that sort of PG thirteen rating and everything. And it's all a matter of like how far can you ride that. Mm-hmm. Um but again, like all of the times that I hosted encounters in person and everything, um, it was at least here in Toronto and everything we were doing it, it was always a weird sort of mix because at least at the place where I run we got a lot of kids. Like we got a lot of kids that were like ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Um and the thing was a lot of that, stuff, like a lot of the heavier, like, subject matter in some of the uh, encounter things, especially with, uh, I think it was Dark Sun, which would have been Fury of the Wastewalker, mm. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But a lot of the heavier subject matter and stuff, it would either go completely right over their heads, or they would just be like, oh, okay, all right, well, let's roll some stuff. Um, the level of like immersion and, like, really sort of getting in and sort of caring about characters and, like, paying attention to those calls of action. Usually, it's the adults, or at least you know the the man babies who you know have the attention span of you know like young adults and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it's usually those are the people that would
0: you know sort of call these things to mind and uh, basically try and pay attention to them. Well, I, and that's the thing is that I don't know that this is something that I'm concerned about young people interacting with with yeah. issues of suicide. I'm worried about mm-hmm. somebody who has a history of suicide or friends or whatever, uh, and that this might be a, a very problematic thing. You know, it's it's like I, you know not. It, it's like if I know that one of my players has a, a phobia about snakes and I, I decide to run an adventure that's all about snakes and I graphically describe snakes crawling all over them mm-hmm. or whatever. Like that's me pushing things in a place yeah. that I shouldn't go. Yeah. And and suicide yeah. can be that thing for people in, in a pretty well, big particularly way. particularly
2: where – and also it it just happens. Like there's no indication – that he's gonna that do it's gonna that. Yeah. Or any way for you to stop it from happening. And mm-hmm. so like Or a if,
0: warning that, you know, this is this is might be coming up. You might want to you know, if this is gonna bother you, say something and you can step away or whatever.
2: Yeah. You know what? That's think, an interesting
3: and, that's an interesting point. I think that it like especially with the future of like the new D D when it actually is released and the format of adventures and everything, like if they're going to continue to sort of push in this direction, like you know, is that worth a sidebar? Is that worth right, a portion right. of the page like, hey, you Know right off the bat if you're going to be running this, uh, this deals with X, Y, and Z. Uh, you know, make a note of that and say if you know any players, you know, where this might be a trigger for them, hey, bring them aside. Like, because I feel like, especially with uh, with published products and everything, like that's relatively new in terms of addressing things like that. Like, a lot of people wouldn't think to do it. Yeah, um, right. I wonder if that's something that they will try and include in future releases.
2: Jeff, when you talked about about this to me earlier. You kind of mentioned on TV shows, they show the little, like, has mm-hmm. sexual content. content or, yeah, yeah, not necessarily... It doesn't have to necessarily be explicit label as in right. the CDs. It's more right. like give you an idea of what might be in here to figure yeah, out if Some it's for
1: viewers you. may find this disturbing. Yeah, yeah. and I don't right. necessarily want to, like, be...
0: Right uh, I don't forever. want to live in a world where, where, where trigger warnings are on everything mm-hmm. and you're never surprised by anything because, you know, there's right. trigger warnings everywhere or whatever. But in the situation where... There's no reason to expect something that could be a a serious trigger, and then it's there. Mm -hmm. You know, then that might be, you know, if it was a novel, we would have seen foreshadowing of something like this coming up. Right. But because of the way this is set up, there's no foreshadowing. So there's no point in in time that I can opt out if that's going to be a problem.
1: Well, let me also address something that Kyle said a second ago about the, the younger people in the encounters session and stuff. You know, There's another thing that that we're not uh, sort of mentioning, and that is, you know, fourth edition D anD D was all about. Role playing, but it was also all about the maps and the minis and the view of it and the, how it looks and getting into the tactical exactly aspect. Too. So it's easy to say, "Oh, okay, I can ignore that thing that you just said." Some guy killed himself, or this thing happened, because we're going into a battle and I get to play with my little mini and we're moving around and I'm, my yeah. mind is sort of, com- you know, in that when when you're playing this, you're not typically using maps like that. If you're playing this in D and D next, it's mostly theater of their mind. And I'll tell you what, the mind is much, much, much more powerful. Than what a you know what the the game would be if it was just a tactical map with some minis. So when you have a product like this that's relying on theater of their mind, you're asking people to imagine. Here's this guy who did this, and now he's killing himself. That's very triggering for some people, mm-hmm. regardless of age. I mean, I you know I get what you're saying about you know people either react by saying, oh, "Okay, I'm ignoring that and I'm focusing on this other thing." But if you take away the maps and minis, there's not as much stuff to focus on. Elsewise, right. They they are thinking about it,
0: especially at this point in the adventure, because it's at that point it's an investigation Front, urban center. thing. There's no yeah. there's no map or combat going right. on. Right. I could see that as a possibility. So, yeah. 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 I just
1: I just think it's something worth 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 noting, considering
0: yeah. and noting that you know,
1: and to look out for. I mean, it's it'll be interesting to see what they do. You know, in the future, if if they do start putting little you know warnings about you know this this you know some portions of this adventure deal with mature themes, like that's you know.
3: Yeah. Well, at yeah. the same time, like, I'm still waiting on, like, my copy of Forgive Us from Lamentations of the Flame Princess. And, like, that, I mean, they call it weird fantasy, but, like, that stuff is straight up horror. So,
1: mm-hmm. yeah. And,
3: yeah, it's it's weird to sort of go back and talk about this and everything when, you know, like, a lot of other RPG products are literally just, like, really crazy graphic stuff right off Whoa. the bat on the cover. But, but, yeah, but Lamentations
2: of the Flame Princess is a... Yeah, no, it's not it's not geared products. for children, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, and you're opting into that when you play that game. You're not no, necessarily opting that's into true. that when you play D&D. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, it's not enough of, like I I don't think it would be an issue for any of my players. And so it doesn't affect my possibility of playing this adventure, right? Mm-hmm. Um if I did play the adventure, I might at least say something at the beginning. Hey, uh it is possible that issues around suicide could come up in this adventure. Is that okay with everybody or do I need to modify things? You know, just just give them a mm-hmm. heads up. Um, my gut is that I don't feel like that that would be an issue, but you know, I don't know. You know people, you know, keep these kind kinds of things to themselves sometimes. Yeah. So
2: yeah, like, at, at the very
0: least, I think it's worth a sidebar.
2: Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, like I've been dealing with uh suicide and what happens after it for two years now. So wow. Yeah. So you know, it, it'd be nice to know up front, and Jeff did tell me, so it was good. Yeah.
1: <laughs> right on.
2: All right. Well. Well,
1: I, think- I feel like I feel like we've been very. Rough on this product. Is yeah. there anything that stands out that is like a bright spot that you think, wow, that's something I could even if I didn't run this, I could take it and use it elsewhere? Or I, I the- love
0: the integration of the history and and the the lore of the setting and the NPCs. And I told you, I I feel like I could take this and make a really good setting out of Daggerford even on its own with Dragonspear mm-hmm. Castle even more so. Uh, and whether I run the adventures or not, I feel like there's a great location that I can use um, in in a future. Uh, adventure.
2: I liked the part where it said that the um, while the current they, they still have the male line of succession, of succession, mm-hmm. but that the pe- general people in general probably would support changing that. So that was cool for me. Right, because
0: mm-hmm. well, because everybody knows that the sister is actually a much more capable leader than the mm-hmm. guy who's actually in charge and all that. And yeah, we got, and we got some right. some hints of that in Dragon Spear as well.
2: Yeah, but there was no, like, clues that that could ever change. It was just kind of like this really unfortunate and sad situation that the guy that's in charge Mm -hmm. isn't necessarily the best person. Uh,
0: Especially in the realms where we've been told for for years by – at least by Greenwood that that there is no male-female superiority distinction in the realms, right?
1: -hmm. I like the fact that when they talk about this, they actually use the use the word primogeniture, Mm -hmm. which is they don't dumb it down for us, right? Yeah, Yeah. they don't. Which is that's very Gygaxian to Mm -hmm. you know. I mean, there are lots of people I know who have a really good vocabulary because of AD and D. Absolutely, (laughs) oh yeah.
0: I I learned so much. Not only, um, I mean, I, I, I learned vocabulary. I learned math. I learned physics. Because of Mm -hmm. arguments around the table about what was and what's not possible, (laughs) you know? I learned so
3: much by playing D&D. At the same time, I am super happy that those physics arguments are no longer a a major part of the game. (laughs) Because uh, entire afternoons just, you know, spent devoted to that when we could have, you know, just said, roll some dice.
0: And my friends were always entirely more more, uh, math and science savvy than I was. Mm -hmm. So uh, they always won those arguments.
3: um my uh f- oh, geez because also i don't really have a whole lot that's really good to say about this i was not really a fan um okay one good thing that i liked about it and i hope that uh which of the coast continues with this model because i thought it was good uh i like the price point for the online release i like that it was lower than the print release uh, i also liked that if you run it at your friendly local game shop uh they will give you a download code for free if you're a dungeon master. And you can pick that up and get the product, and you can run it. So it is once again free for DMs to get and run.
2: On.
0: Oh, I also uh, – one of the things I specifically liked about Daggerford, I like the integration of this, this one elven family, which actually plays out to be integral, right? But you've got, you've got Daggerford, which is a predominantly human settlement. With this one elven family, and, and the longevity of the elves actually plays into mm-hmm. the whole thing as well, right? You've had generations and generations and generations of humans coming through, and Uh, Two elves, right, father and son, Mm -hmm. that have been there since the foundation of the civilization. (laughs) You know, because Mm -hmm. they're 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 so long lived compared to the humans, right? I I really (laughs) like that that concept, and that really plays in well. And they've always been advisors to you know, and they've just been around for as long as anybody. And you know, if you want to know about the history of of this, that, whatever, they they probably know because they were there. Like the. The one guy was there when the name got its – the, the town got its name because of what is it? Mm-hmm. Some kid that fought off Knowles with a dagger at the mm-hmm. ford.
2: Yeah. Right.
1: Well, and and so spoilers, spoilers. The sister of – so the the dad, the, the father elf dies, mm-hmm. right? And the sister it comes – shows up, right? But it turns out that she was already in the area. She's been in the area for a while and she's the one being possessed by – Boschka or whatever the name is. The thing is that if you if you're running this in your home game, you can turn that into like a a a prophesied Event, you yeah. know, um, amongst the elves or something, you know what I mean? Because that family is so long lived, and you know, you can have all these prophecies about all this stuff that's happening, and you know, taking the elemental keys, and then the you know the long lost sibling showing back up and being, posi- you know, but you can, you know, as prophecies often are, you can have it be really obscured and 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 not really obvious, and then suddenly it can become clear, you know, if you work that into your to your campaign or whatever. So there there are some oh, yeah. opportunities yeah. there that are really cool. Yeah. yeah,
0: there's there's a lot here that I think could be really good and it, it i really don't know like if i had to give it a star rating i don't know what i i, I could not give it a star rating until i saw the next part
1: the second half right yeah. because
0: because it, and this may be a little damning to it as well though it, it's an incomplete product like mm-hmm. it's you can't you do not get a story in this adventure mm-hmm. you get the beginnings of a story mm-hmm. but you get you don't get the other half and, and i don't know how it's going to play out um
2: oh no. One more quick thing to you about the elves. Uh, I like that there are some things that even they don 't know
0: mhm yeah because there's a whole yeah. thing because
2: it used to be called uh, i think Blood Valley or something, and mm. but that was way even before those elves were there,
0: yeah, and you also get some some larger history of the region too, like there used to be this kingdom where they tried to uh, 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 a kingdom that combined the humans, the dwarves, and the elves all together. Uh, you know, right. there was a, a council, whatever somebody selected for each one, uh, and a, like a triple crown sort of situation, and they all had to, to agree on things. And like, I like that concept, and that that's why mm-hmm. there's all these dwarven ruins, but this elven forest and these human settlements all around.
2: That was well, kind of cool. And there's a the whole uh, supremacy element too <laughs> in parts of it, where the, the one particular elves are supposed to be mm-hmm. supreme to everyone else. And mm. there's a little bit of a supremacist thing.
1: Yeah.
3: There, well, that's the thing. Like, I I know I've been hard on this rack for being, you know, kind of generic and everything. But, I mean, in the hands of, like, a dungeon master who knows what she's doing or knows what he's doing and everything, like, it, it could be a blast. Like, yeah. it could be a lot of fun. There's it, a lot I mean, of
0: flavor in here. The flavor is just not necessarily injected into the adventure locations. Yeah. You know, or at least it, just marginally so, right? But I feel like there's a lot that could be done here that, that could be really cool. I just don't <laughs> know if I have the the desire to put in that level of effort to make it that cool, yeah. you know?
3: Well, that's that's always a thing with uh, with pre published products and everything is that you know you buy them because you want something that you can play quick and fast, right. and you like you place if something is written before you, it means that you don't have to spend that you know uh, like few seconds or five minutes or whatever making it up on your own, right? Um, that's that, again, that's a fault of these proxies, especially with the formatting and everything, is that they are more difficult to parse out and figure out what's going on, and run them, then they would be to make up something on your own.
1: Sometimes, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. This this is more like a, a nice setting product.
0: Yeah. It's a nice think, setting product with, with a passable adventure storyline going on that, that could turn into something good.
1: But what I mean is, it's a setting, It's it can make a really good setting, like I'm running one of my groups through Dragon Spear right now, And this product fleshes out the sort of outskirt areas Mm -hmm. and the different outside areas enough for me to actually incorporate those into an an offshoot of the Dragon Spear thing if I wanted to. And also, you know, it provides me with so many different maps of different, you know, castles and different little towns and all that that I could Mm -hmm. work that in and not have to use the adventure as written here, but use it as a nice little setting sort of backdrop thing if I wanted to. Um, mm-hmm. Turns out I, I, you know, I'm running Dragon Spear, my own homebrew world, so that doesn't really work. But if I was running it in the Forgotten Realms, you know, the one thing that I can say that's really good about this is, <clears throat> if you're not familiar with the Forgotten Realms, this is a really nice product. To, has enough realms flavor and enough sort of NPCs and enough kind of historic type stuff that it could really get you into that. And maybe it would be a good jumping-off point in that mm-hmm. respect. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't happen to run games in in published settings, but if you did, or if you were new GM, the setting material is good. But I, I wouldn't recommend this module for a new GM. But you know, it has its faults. But I don't know. It just, it's very mediocre to me. It's the good things. Some of the good things are good, but
0: yeah, the things that are good are good. It's just, it's going to take mm-hmm. some. It would take me some work to make the whole thing re- that good.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah.
3: So it's like a I, eight, 7 out of 10 ahead. rent don't buy kind of situation
0: or uh we've kind of stopped ranking things. I used to way back yeah. in like season or year 1 or whatever of the podcast, I would I would also always basically say this is the price tag and and this is what I would pay for it, you know? Sort of that was my ranking is how much would you know, would I actually pay the price tag for this yeah. product but
3: At at Dungeons & Donuts, we use a five-star system, and again, I'm not going to be reviewing this, so I'm not, you know... With the amount of experience I have with it, I can't give it, like, an out-of-five rating that would actually, you know, convey, you know, what's actually going on with this product. Um, If you have Ghosts of Dragonspear Castle and you like it, uh, pick this up, because if you're still running it, yeah, it will reinforce that play, and it will, you know, help add to that setting.
2: Um, well,
1: See, it, even though what I just said – I know what I just said, but I actually disagree with that. I, if you have Ghost of Dragonspear Castle and you are looking for that style adventure, this is going to disappoint you. If you're looking for more more setting information about the region, yes, pick this up. But yeah. if if you want an adventure that's that's going to actually complement Ghost of Dragonspear Castle, then don't get this because this isn't mm-hmm. going to complement it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm not sure what <laughs> what to get, but – yeah, uh, I, I, and one of the things I really appreciate that, that this, as well as Murder in Ballersgate, um, and possibly some other things that I've seen lately, um, is that I feel like they are using this opportunity between between editions to experiment with how they write adventures. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. They're trying to figure out a really good way to write sandboxing adventures, but also make it um, helpful enough to to sol- you know save that I don't have to do all the work of creating my own adventure sort of thing. And, and, I, and I appreciate that they're experimenting with it. Um, I don't feel like they're there yet. You know, I feel like well,
1: my my fear with that, is, I agree with you. I think they're experimenting. I think it's a good thing. But my fear is, you know, a new DM cannot run a sandbox adventure.
0: I think a new DM can if it's well enough written and I think that's what they're trying if to figure it's, out. Can, can if they it's find well to,
1: written yeah. and if it's well written and it gives good advice and none of their products do that because none of their fifth edition products so far have been written for new. So this is where I'm, you know. I agree. If 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 they're experimenting with this but when then when they go back and they're releasing the new edition I really want them to have a good – I keep saying this every every time we record. I really want them to have a good beginning product, and I really want them to have good advice Mm. for new DMs. But if they continue down this line and this is the type of of adventure they want to write, they're going to have to make lots of changes if they create a beginning product and – I just don't see it. The the, the gap is too far right right now and And it's March.
0: I've actually been having a lengthy conversation, email conversation over the last couple of days with a listener who emailed me saying, hey, I really enjoy the show. I've been listening for a while or whatever. I've never played D&D. Nobody in my group has and this is what we need from a starting product to do it and it's like nothing I've ever heard before. And I was like, well, that's great. I cannot have that perspective. Because mm-hmm. I haven't been a new player to D anD D since. Send I was them eight, to me. You know, send,
2: send, send the emails to me because yeah, yeah. I want. Mm-hmm. I have written some adventures that I think a, a new DM. Well, here's run. the
0: trick, is, and he just sort of emailed me back today. And, and what he wants, what he I think what his ideal sort of starters uh, adventure would actually be almost entirely rulesless. You know. Yeah. Um, and and because I, his issue is not necessarily learning the rules, which I think is what most starter products try to do—is teach you the rules of the game. Mm-hmm. His, his issue is I've never played D and D before. <laughs> I don't have a, a touchstone with the tropes of D and D. I need something to walk me through mm-hmm. how right. the, how what those tropes are and to understand mm-hmm. how D and D and the world of D and D works. You know. So right. I, I, I find it very interesting. I t- I told him um, when the starter product comes out, maybe he sh- he should get that. Or maybe I'll throw him in you know some Amazon money or whatever to help him get that and whatever, and then he can come on the review and that'll be his first you know D D session ever and he can give that perspective that we normally never have because everybody we have on has played, you know. So Yeah. I always I always run into this a lot because nine literally nine times out
3: of ten, whenever I run games, it is for new players. Like yeah. of the two or three groups that I run, one like they've played D D like maybe once or twice. Mm. Like they're still very new to it and everything, and just sort of getting into it. Um or they again they only play casually and they're just like, Hey, you know, we're getting together Friday, let's get drunk and play D and D. Can you run something? Mm. Um and so yeah, I run into that a lot. Like I have new players coming up. It's like, well, hey, I want to get into D and D. What do I do? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, his, and yeah.
0: Like his issue is that he's trying to get a whole group into D and D, and none of them have played before, and they don't feel comfortable joining another group. So they mm-hmm. want they want their group just to all start together at you know at, at stage zero. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's hard to do cause I think most people like like you're talking about most people have somebody with experience to sort of walk them through the tropes. Yeah. So. That'll be
1: interesting. Yeah, I think it, so. it would be like I am not uh I'm not a superheroes person like I'm not I I've, I've I've probably read like two comic books in my entire life and I I don't like particularly enjoy superhero movies and I don't like it's just not something I've ever been into. It would be like me trying to play a superhero r p g because mm. I don't understand the superhero tropes, right, so I would have a real i would end up playing it like a d and d player, and I would have to be told and and shown explicitly. Here's a superhero trope this is not yeah. something. You're missing you a cultural do, touchstone you know, that makes it right, all make sense. It's like,
0: when yeah, I ask, exactly. it, it's like when I ask my ESL students to interpret this political cartoon that relies on you understanding the concept of Baby New Year. Well, you're, mm-hmm. they're not from a culture that's ever heard of Baby New Year before. So right. none of the right. – I can't expect them to have that skill because they don't have right. the cultural basis for, to, to understand. Well, mm-hmm.
2: And that's why I think actually a beginner adventure for a beginner DM has to pull from something that's not D&D. So mm-hmm. I would – what I would do is actually – flesh out um, the scene. Oh, I forget the guy's name, the, the guy that ends up killing himself. Uh, but make it so that you investigate what happened mm-hmm. and, and, and like just make that the beginning part of the adventure mm-hmm. um, and make it kind of like CSI. <laughs> sure. For that, uh, mm-hmm.
3: for, for that listener, if, if, if they're listening at the moment and everything, um, I, I would say like try and run a game and everything. There is no wrong way to play this game. Like, regardless of how you go about doing it, regardless of what kind of touchstones you take away from it or what you use to kind of inspire play, chances are you're going to have a good time. And if your players are smiling and rolling dice and laughing, chances are they're going to have a good time, too. That's kind of why I'm really into RPGs is because even when you play a game wrong, like, you just bend it over and just break it in half, it's still going to be fun.
0: Yep. Yep. Anyway... We, now we're moving into a whole other topic that could probably yeah. be a show on its own. So I think it's probably time to, uh, to wrap things up here. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and end at this point. Uh, I think we've, we've covered uh, Scourge of the Sword Coast here pretty well. It's got some issues, but it could be completely redeemed by the next chapter. I think is is the just well, for a couple Well, I don't know about
1: complete. Well, it could be largely
0: complete. redeemed by the next chapter.
1: It could be made worthwhile. <laughs> sure, okay. <laughs> by oh the my. next chapter. <laughs> Sorry. It's it's it is not worthless. I don't mean it like that. I just mean that that by itself it's it it's not uh, compelling at all. Yeah. However, well, with the next yeah, chapter, by it itself, could be it's absolutely compelling. not.
0: I mean, there was yeah. no reason anybody should ever pick this product up if they're not, not going to have the next chapter, too, because it's an incomplete story. You don't get to the end. Yeah. I mean, it, does, it is not self contained at all. They might as well have just sold but, it together and, but, and charged twice as
1: much. The thing is that Dragonspear Castle, you didn't get to the end either, but, but it had an ending. It, it had, had an ending. ending. Yeah. This one doesn't even have an ending. And this one doesn't have. That's exactly the problem. Is yeah, that there's Dragons not even Spear. there's not
0: even the little one paragraph thing at the end like a lot of adventures have of you know concluding mm-hmm. or wrapping up this adventure. Right. No, there is no right. wrapping up this adventure. It just sort it of just tails ends. off and says you should go to this mm-hmm. place next, and here's no information about it. Right. Yeah. So in any case, yeah, that's a, that's the summary of our review. <laughs> 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 I want to thank Sam Dillon for joining us, Sam. Uh, yes. If people want to know more more about you, they should go to thetomeshow.com and click on the About link because you're listed there. Ha! Sure. There you go. <laughs> I've got all your websites and, and things. <laughs> I, I don't know if your your podcasts are there because you didn't have them when we wrote that About site. So we yeah, need to do some not. updating. Uh, also, I want to thank Kyle. Kyle Chenier. Where can people find you on the interwebs? Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Kyle Chenier. I also
3: run Dungeons & Donuts on Tumblr. It's dungeonsdonuts.tumblr.com.
0: Uh, and I also want to thank our sponsor, Noble Knight Games, and all of them and all of you guys for supporting the show. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us, you can email us at thetomeshow at gmail.com. And you can find show notes and other great Tome Show shows over at thetomeshow.com.
2: And that is episode 234, Well, we ran all over the place. All to find out that trouble comes from some castle we aren't even allowed to look at. <laughs> Or go to at Dreams of the Red Wizard, Scourge of the Sword Coast in this episode of... I'm on the wall!